the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, and we're very glad to bring on a couple of very special guests today. Uh, we have Jonathan Scruggs with the Alliance Defense, uh, is it Alliance Defense Fund or Alliance Defending Freedom? Alliance Defending Freedom. Freedom, right. Okay. And Jack Phillips, when he's written a book called The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. Hello, Jack. How are you today? I'm fine, Tim. How are you? Good. Jonathan, you as well? I'm doing great. Thank great. you. Thank you for taking time to be on the program today. Uh, you know, I was mentioning to my son, Toby, who's 20, almost 21, how we were going to have a conversation. today. He says, I remember that case, Dad. And, you know, I just thought maybe out of the gate, Jack, if you're willing to just share a little bit, I'm sure you've done this many times, but to be able to share a little bit of the, the, the nut of the story so folks can get a little quick quick update uh, rather than ref, just kind of a general remembrance, and then we could dive into your book more. Sure. Uh, going back to uh, July of 2012, almost nine years ago, uh, two men came into my uh, cake shop, and we sat down, and, and they requested a cake that would uh, celebrate their upcoming marriage. And when I explained to him that I would gladly serve them, serve them other custom cakes, serve them, sell them anything in my shop, um, but I couldn't create a cake for a same-sex wedding, they stormed out of my shop, flipping me off, swearing at me, and started up a, a media campaign against me, social media. And that case then went through the Colorado court system, starting at an administrative law court um, and working its way up to the United States Supreme Court where we eventually, in June of 2018, received news that we had a 7-2 to two victory. Wow. <laughs> that's There's a, a lot more details <laughs> involved in that. But <laughs> yes. Well, that, that's what the book's for, and certainly there are a lot of just great parts of the book all the way through. You talk along uh, in the book about not being, you know, you're not in this for, you really for God's glory is what you want to do. You want to live for him. As it pertains to the book, coming out, The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. Just share for a moment uh, the path to that actually happening, writing the book, and, and you know why you wrote it and why now. Um, when I was first approached about writing the book, which turned out to be, like you say, The Cost of My Faith, my initial reaction was that could be a good idea because I want to put it in writing. I want my kids and my grandkids to know what actually happened. But then as I thought about it more, realizing what a platform that I had you know, to help all Americans understand that they should be able to live and work freely according to their conscience without fear of punishment from the government, and be able to put that in a story form, you know, using the history of the United States Supreme Court a little bit, um, the history of me growing up, how I learned to love art, um, and then needed a job out of my, uh, after I graduated high school, and getting a job in a bakery. My neighbor owned a large wholesale bakery, with, you know, like 100 conveyor belts full of donuts, and he was gracious enough to hire me. 
and then uh, finding that I really, really like baking. In fact, I love, to this day, I've been doing it for over 45 years. I love coming into a bakery every day, and I love the people and the product and the pace. But then to be able to put all those things together in a story and, and uh, share my faith at the same time has been really rewarding. Chat with Jack Phillips. Again, the book is called The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, the book is very readable. Did it did it feel uh, that way as you were putting it together? And did, or I'm sure there's a lot of work behind the scenes to make it that way, but it, it, there's, yeah. a, there's a good balance between kind of the thing people say, why don't you just bake the cake, like boiling it down yeah. to one sentence versus all the other storylines leading up to the fact that you even had interest you know, your art interest you describe in the book in, in junior high and high school, the teachers who were influential, leading to one step, leading to the next step, leading to the next step. So yeah, just share about the, the crafting of the book itself for a moment, if you would. Well, we had a, a couple of people who were very instrumental in, in helping me write it, because when I graduated high school, you know, a 10-page paper to me would have been nine illustrations and a map. I just didn't like to read, didn't like to write. Now I love to do both. But first one, first gentleman who helped me work through it, helped me lay down an outline of where this book should start, where it should go, and how it should get to the end point. And then another writer helped me clean up, like, uh, grammar and, you know, make make things more colorful. But as I work through my day here at Masterpiece Cake Shop, many people come in and they ask me the same questions, so I get to practice, you know, telling my story to people, and then just trying to get it from those words onto paper was was a challenge, but I think it was a rewarding one at the same time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very well put together. It's very conversational. I think, uh, you, you set some you know, ground rules or whatever at the beginning, uh, including the fact that scripture is woven very, very naturally though, throughout the entire process, because that's okay. who you are, right? I hear that. <laughs> well, yeah, I, in the prologue of the cost of my faith, I write, you know, I don't want to, there's a lot of scripture in here be forewarned, but it's not. So I sound holier than now, but the, the Bible is the basis of, you know, how I, how I live my life, how I treat my employees, and my faith is what shapes the way you know I make these decisions. And uh, for the state then to come after me because of my faith, and like, no, it's my faith that helps me to treat people the way that I do. Um, that was you know stunning in the first place. But, yeah. So one of the themes, uh, not to be lost in everything too, I want to get to the storyline a little bit as well uh, that you just you kind of laid out at the very beginning. But one of the themes I thought that should not go unnoticed is being faithful with what's right in front of you. And I remember, I think you talked about one of your first jobs doing baking and the um, being the best cinnamon twist roll icer ever yeah. or something, right? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, assigned to, you know, everybody was kind of a floater when you first started. And then they assigned me to a job, which I ended up working for over a year. And it, to me, looking back, it was still one of the hardest jobs I've ever done. The work itself wasn't so hard. Everybody had a lot of work to do at this at the bakery that I worked at then. But you, the job was to pick up cinnamon twists and jelly rolls and different you know baked items and put them on a conveyor belt and then apply the icing to them, and they would go around and cool on this conveyor belt, and somebody else would box them up at the end. But the texture of those was like picking up sandpaper all day, and it would wear the skin off of your fingers. And uh, it was, you know, fairly painful. But I thought, this is, you know, what I'm, what they want me to do, and I'm going to be the best at it. I'm going to be the fastest. I'm going to ice them. You know, just do the best job that I could. And this was before I became a follower of Christ. It's just the way, you know, God wired me to, uh, when I have something to do, 
do it the best that I can. And now that I know, you know, um, Colossians 3.17 is like, whatever you do, do it with all your mind. It's doing it for the Lord. It's like, ah, he even had me doing it back then. So yeah. that was cool. Yeah, for sure. And, and that, that theme actually surfaces a couple more times in the book. Uh, folks just tuning in, it's the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia. Jack Phillips is our guest. The book is The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. We also have Jonathan uh, Scruggs, uh, Scruggs joining us from Alliance Defending Freedom. And there is certainly a legal component, very big legal component to the story. Uh, maybe before we get into some of that uh, part of the the, uh, the storyline, uh, you, you referenced there your faith and how God was at work in your life and, and, and doing things, even as, as it pertained to the woman that you married before you became a believer. Take a few moments, if you would, just share a bit about your background growing up, the church background you had versus you're really embracing the personal relationship with Christ and how God got a hold of you. Cause you had somebody in your car was part of the, the book. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up going to a church and, uh, we went, like pretty much every Sunday, we were on Sunday evenings, quite a few Wednesday night things, and there were youth groups. And just hearing the Sunday school lessons, and I could answer the questions, and uh, we would have what they called sword drills, where they would everybody would hold their Bible up in their right hand, and they'd shout out a verse, and then the first one to open it up and find it and read it. You know, I was good at all those things, but, but the storyline of the Bible never made... It's not that it never made sense, is what I was going to say, but it just... To me, Moses, David and Goliath, Jesus, they all lived in Jerusalem, same time, different parts of town or something. I didn't <laughs> right. really get the plot of the Bible. And then as I got older and didn't have to go to church anymore, I didn't go to church anymore and didn't, didn't really care. And uh, then I was, you know, got this job in a bakery, and the job included working Sundays. So even if I wanted to go to church, which, like I said, I didn't, um, I couldn't because I would be in the bakery every Sunday morning. But then uh, I got switched to another job, and it was a night job, a night shift, and uh, still working Sundays. But one day, as I was heading home, I was married, had two kids, um, paying my bills, working hard, you know, doing a good job at the shop, not doing drugs or drinking or anything like that, just a, a regular guy. And as I was heading home one day, I was just like five minutes from my house, and I felt an incredible presence in my car. And I want to say, all oh, right, that I felt there was a person in my car, and I realized that that person was the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin. And I say sin, not my sins, not the things that I've done. Um, he convicted me of my sin, my natural bent to sin. Like, if I lie, that doesn't make me a liar. I'm a liar. That's why I lie. Right. And if I steal something, that doesn't make me a thief. I'm a thief. That's why I steal. And if I sin, that doesn't make me a sinner. I'm a sinner. That's why I sin. And the Holy Spirit convicted me on the spot that I needed a Savior, and it was Jesus Christ. And suddenly, all those Bible stories, all the verses that I'd heard, everything that I'd ignored <laughs> growing up made sense. And I was a sinner who needed a Savior, and that Savior was Jesus Christ. And on the spot, I tried to negotiate. Well, let me clean up my life, and you'll get a better deal. And I realized the Holy Spirit told me, you can't. And there was no way I could clean up my life. There was nothing I could do to earn this salvation. It was being offered as a gift. You can't. I said, you're right. I'm yours. Yeah. 
and my life changed radically at that point, and I was saved. But then I had a problem because I was about to walk into my apartment, and uh, my wife would be there, two kids probably be sleeping because of the time of day, and I didn't know that she would understand this radical transformation, conversion that had just happened to her husband. And uh, I don't know how far you want me to go in this because it's all written out and it cost my faith. But um, as I approached my wife and uh, at her greetings and I worked nights, so I would just say hello and go to bed. And uh, I'm one of those people who I close my eyes and I'm asleep in seconds. And I could not sleep that day. And the Holy Spirit again was telling me, go tell your wife what just happened. And I thought, that's not a great idea. Cause as soon as I tell her, she might walk out. You know, this is not the kind of news she wants to come for me, because just a few weeks earlier, she had merely been asked by my sister-in-law to go to church, and she blew up at my sister-in-law. Like, Christians are all hypocrites and all this, because I knew this wasn't going to go well. And so I kept negotiating with God, you know, like, let me get a good night's sleep, and I'll tell her later today, and she'll be in a better mood, and I'll be better able to, to phrase it. Go tell her now. You know, I'd really rather wait. Go tell her now. I'll be with you. And so I get up, walk out into the kitchen where she's sitting at the table, looking up at me with you know, incredible surprise and rising. What in the world are you doing up? You should be out for the count. For the next few hours, you should be sound asleep. What are, you know, what are you doing here? She didn't say a word, but her eyes spoke all that. And uh, I kind of mumbled and stuttered and didn't know quite what to say and finally I just blurted out I became a Christian today holding my breath waiting to see how she would respond I was stunned when she said me too three days ago now we have something in common and that changed our lives completely the way that we handled our money the way our marriage worked the way we raised our kids now we have two kids all grown adults grandkids but that was one of the most amazing days in my life. Folks, this is Tony and Jack Phillips is our guest. The book is called The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. And I'm glad you took the time to explain that. Uh, and it, it certainly is in the book. The book, again, is very readable. It covers all sorts of things, including stories like that, which show, uh, I believe you would you know, certainly agree, God's sovereignty and how he was working, how he was surprising you over and over again and helping you know that even if you're in a fearful spot or a spot that maybe human wisdom would want to try to manage the the, the, the damage or mm-hmm. control the circumstances to listen to God and the best ways to go forth what he's telling you and not try to, like you said, negotiate. <laughs> so that really is a great story. Uh, I know family is very important. It's all through the book, including one of the byproducts of your decision to not make the cake that that couple had asked for, the impact on your daughter, Lisa. Maybe you could share a little bit about about that um, and and the impact it had on her. Yeah, my uh, youngest child, my daughter, Lisa, a son and two daughters, the son is the oldest. Lisa works for me, and she has three girls that are here um, at the shop right now. They're homeschooled, and all three of my kids were homeschooled as well. Growing up, it actually happened a lot here in the cake shop. But uh, when this whole incident happened with the two men coming in requesting the wedding cake and the decision that I made and and the conversation with the two men, it struck her incredibly because, well, maybe in part, there were three people working that day, myself and two employees, and 
either of them would have been the ones normally to sit down and wait on any customer that came in like that, but they were both occupied. So it was me. I sat down, and we had this conversation, and Lisa had to stop and think, you know, I would have told them the same information, that we couldn't create a cake celebrating a, a same-sex wedding because that's not God's design for marriage. But do I really believe that? Do I know that? Do I know that in my heart? And so she started doing her own study through the Bible, what the Bible has to say about marriage and about uh, all these important issues. And uh, she came to the conclusion, and, and both of us kind of at the same time, that Jesus told a parable about ten virgins who were waiting for a wedding party. And when the bridegroom came in Jewish culture, it was in the middle of the night. The ten virgins were asleep. Five of them woke up. They all woke up, but five of them were ready to go to the uh, wedding banquet, and the other five weren't. And we both came to the same conclusion that we were asleep. But when God woke us up, he had already given us what we needed. In my case, you know, the oil and the lamp, so to speak, that the virgins needed to get to the party was practice in um, being able to communicate to people that there are cakes that I can't create. Uh, There are other cakes besides this one that we couldn't create. We decided that we wouldn't create cakes to celebrate Halloween or um, cakes with alcohol in them, anti-American cakes, cakes that were racist, or cakes that would denigrate other people or insult them, including people who identify as LGBT. Right. So we went on you know, practicing, knowing that every year Halloween comes up. So how do you do this? And when people would ask for the cakes, we were, we were practicing. That's how God supplied our oil. So we were ready when this, when this event came up. And she then, after studying and coming to their own conclusions that the Bible is true and the Bible is accurate and it's consistent in what it says on marriage, um, she turned from being a, a Christian who was sleepwalking, kind of, to a Christian who now has Bible studies with her girlfriends and who's um, just living her life out loud. It's so cool to watch. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. And it's one of many stories folks will find in the book, The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision uh, in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. Jack Phillips is our guest. We also have Jonathan Scruggs, who's with Alliance Defending Freedom, who became certainly part of the story as things went along there. The word cost, obviously, is, is in the title, and uh, there is a part in the book where you t- take a brief chat, I don't know, a couple of pages to list a few things. And I should, um, so I just want to ask you if you could mention those costs, a couple of the costs that come to mind. Uh, but I also just want to, before I forget, say the tone of the book, there's no vindictiveness in it. There's no um, bitterness in it. And when you even mention, here's how, what, what cost me. It, even then, it's not woe is me and look what I look look at me. But anyway, just, for a second, just rattle off if you would uh, some of the things that this cost you over time and, and the court cases that you were at least initially you know going through. Well, when we went to the court, one of the first things was that the administrative law court, the very first level that we were at, they told me that uh, their judgment was that I was guilty of breaking this discrimination law and that. I would have to change my policies and start creating cakes for same-sex weddings, including, you know, whatever the customer came in and asked for the design to be. I wouldn't be able to make any input in that if they wanted a pornographic cake, whatever. It didn't matter. So the decision was you're going to, you know, submit to us and, and create every cake that people ask you to, or you're going to stop making wedding cakes entirely. And so that's 
not a difficult decision, but it was a hard decision to make. You know, the weddings were a large part of our income, and we were growing in our reputation. We won awards in a national magazine for our, our wedding cakes and things. And so we were forced to either choose to give up our our convictions and uh, or start to give up our wedding cakes. And we chose to give up the weddings while we were fighting this battle. We also then lost a great deal, you know, customer base, um, people who were hearing the media and saying what a, you know, bigoted, wicked man I was, call me up and say, I've been coming in for years, but I can't come back anymore because you're a bigot. So we lost customers, went from uh, 10 employees down to four, including myself. It was, on paper, a really hard decision to make, but the reality is that we were following what God wanted us to do, and so it was much easier than it sounds because we knew that he would take care of us, protect us, and do whatever he needed to do for us. Fortunately, that also included involving Alliance Defending Freedom as our defense for the legal aspects because I'm no lawyer, and I wouldn't know the first thing about this, but the lawyers at ADF have been able to uh, help us negotiate all this and and give us good advice and everything we need. Yeah, then that's a great uh, segue to having uh, Jonathan. We'd love to chat with you, too, because in the book, there's even the, uh, I guess... I guess just to t- from a timeline standpoint, the two gay men had come to your shop in July of 2012, right? Yeah. And I think in yeah. your book you had mentioned, I mean, there's definitely backlash right away. There's a lot of stuff, death threats, all kinds of crazy stuff. And then, but a few months later, I think you got the official notice in the mail, like something was up. And it, it sounded like in the back of your mind, like you knew that day may come, but maybe things would just die off. You weren't sure. And, and there was an interesting, from that point, the legal hope component became part of it including someone from Focus on the Family, which we air on our radio station, had talked yep. to you about knowing someone at ADF, and then there's another piece of God's sovereignty where another ADF lawyer independent of Focus on the Family got in touch with you, right? So all of that. Yeah. So, Jonathan, when did you get involved, and, and how, how in, in, you know, involved have you been with this case over the years? Well, we got involved relatively early on uh, through connections that you noted via uh, ADF allied attorneys and others connecting us uh, to Jack and it's really been a, a long process, uh, almost 10 years, uh, when you think about all the different legal proceedings, uh, which really culminated uh, just a few weeks ago uh, with a trial where Jack appeared, his wife testified, his daughter testified. Uh, so it really has been a long process, but it, it's hopeful to know that pretty much in almost every state there were losses, but eventually there were wins at the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, then after the U.S. Supreme Court decision came down, another uh, attempt by the Colorado Human Rights Commission to prosecute Jack. Uh, and we won that uh, decision after the U.S. Supreme Court case. And now this third incident that involves an attorney, an activist in Colorado, trying to sue Jack again. And uh, we're hopeful that, uh, and confident that Jack's rights will be vindicated this third go-around as well. Jonathan, is there a place in general, uh, again, I have questions swirling all over, I you know, think all the different different aspects to the story, uh, but uh, you know, I know that it's great to have our conversation today and folks can listen to a podcast after and listen through, but for folks who are interested in kind of following uh, Jack's story, and in general, um, Jack certainly brings us home in the book, that one big reason he moved forward was realizing how much more was at stake than his own personal life and shop. Um, is there a, a best way folks maybe kind of keep up on some of this stuff through ADF or, or 
Any recommendations along those lines? Absolutely. Our website is probably the best place, which is adflegal.org. But as Jack noted, really his whole story is one about God's faithfulness uh, and, you know, one about attacks on his faith, the combination of those two things. But it's really sad that people out there in the world just object to certain beliefs Jack holds and are targeting him because of his beliefs. Uh, But no one should be forced to create expression or celebrate a message they disagree with. And that principle should protect both sides. It's not just about protecting Jack, but it's protecting uh, people with different views who might disagree with Jack, but Jack is fighting for their freedoms too. Uh, And and that's a a valuable thing in in our day and age when cancel culture is so prevalent, uh, that people are there like Jack Phillips, standing up for freedom of speech and freedom for religion. Yeah, and you bring up a good point. Maybe either of you can answer this. Jack Phillips is our guest. He's the uh, author of The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. Uh, first and foremost, it's funny, it's probably, Jack, you're hearing the word author, but in which you are, but you're thinking, wait, I I got the cake, I got the shop. That's what I do. Uh, and I love people, you know, which is evident in your book. And Jonathan Scruggs with Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, you know, the, so many stories, and I've worked in radio for years, so I've seen it firsthand covering uh, sporting events, actually, as well. How what's said is not really what happened, or it's part of what happened, or it's kind of what happened, or or one sentence out of a right. whole paragraph. If you had to, you know, even boil again, the book is very readable. It's easy to read right through, and you get it a, a great cross section of everything, including the legal part of it. But if you had to kind of step back from it, and either of you can comment on this, and you had to just say, here's kind of where what people here's really what it was things were about, and here's what people sometimes think it is. It has nothing to do with it, or the misconceptions. If, if there are a couple of main things that keep coming to the foreground that are that are misconceptions um, on on what this is really about, you know, coming from your heart, Jack and Jonathan, and maybe what you've observed as well. Yeah, the first thing that I try and impress on people when they come in the shop and want to talk about these issues is that a masterpiece cake shop. We serve everybody, but we just can't create every cake that people ask us to, and even with the the wedding cake or with this attorney who's who's suing us. Just go around. This person requested a cake that was blue on the outside and pink on the inside, and those colors were to celebrate a changing of gender, from changing from a man to a woman. And I believe that God created male and female, and, and we don't have the right to choose that. We don't get to change that, and I shouldn't be forced to celebrate somebody who thinks they can um, celebrate an event that somebody thinks it goes with that. But the thing is, we serve everybody, and I told the people in the first lawsuit, the wedding cake lawsuit, and this attorney who's suing us now, we will gladly create other custom work for you and sell you anything in the store. We treat you just the same as everybody else that comes in, no different, no worse. Um, but there are messages that uh, some cakes have or that people want written on a cake that we can't create. It's always the message. It's never the person. Okay. Now that's... That's great. And Jonathan, if you have any thoughts along the lines or, or maybe even a legal, legally or whatever perspective that sometimes people think one thing versus another. Yeah, I think legally along the lines of what Jack was saying, sometimes people think this is about one particular view or one particular stance, uh, but it's really bigger than that. It's, it's our freedoms to speak and to worship and to exercise our religious beliefs uh, on a wide spectrum of issues. Um, and that, you know, today... Uh, people hold certain views, and, and those are popular, but those political winds might shift, and it could just be as easily as someone else uh, getting sued on a, another topic. 
so when Jan, uh, when Jack stands up for these freedoms, he really is standing up for all Americans. And these freedoms are good for America. It's good in our pluralistic society that we learn to respectfully disagree with each other and tolerate each other. Uh, and that's the kind of example that Jack is setting, um, protecting everyone's rights going forward. Yeah, and mentioning government, Jack, there was a point, I think, in the book you talked about uh, you certainly, you know, people ask you about the cake part, but they may not ask you as much about the your your relationship and your thoughts on government. And mm-hmm. and right. So and I think at one point you you delineated and say, look, they, they do have a right to me on some level, pay my taxes. I pray for my leaders like I'm supposed to like scripture talks about. But but they also don't that that implies that there are some things that, you know, about life they don't have rule over. And that would you know certainly include the things you're talking about. And, and that maybe that's hard for people to understand. But that's a very important line to to mark yeah. out. And that's one of the main things about this this story, the cost of my faith, is that I hope people take away is that that I've learned in the last few years. At first, it was like you know I I want to be able to get back to do my wedding cakes and I serve everybody and I just can't create all cakes. But I learned early on that this is not about whether Jack can get back to making cakes or not. This is about all people, all Americans' right to live and work according to their freedom. Without you know fear of punishment from this government, and this government is supposed to be um, protecting these constitutionally held constitutional rights, the right to um, free speech that was one aspect of it, and freedom to freedom to exercise our religion, not just have one and go to church and do what you want to while you're in the church, but to live your life according to your faith, and uh, the government is supposed to be protecting those things. So it was a hard line to. Uh, look at, but a line that I couldn't cross. We have to take this stand, and it's not just for us, it's for all Americans. Yeah. One last question. I know you have plenty, and you're at the shop. I'm sure you got plenty of uh, things you've you know, got to keep an eye on. In fact, you have a chapter in the book that's very fun that just kind of gives you like a day in the life of all the yeah. all the <laughs> things that disturb the batter with your toe while you're talking to customers, while you're answering yeah, the sometimes. phone. sometimes. <laughs> a lot of plates in the air. <laughs> but just on a personal level, as I read through, and I mentioned earlier, I read through this whole book and did not have any sense of woe is me, pity me, 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 me. And you even kind of near the end of the book talk about the, the, the and it was really helpful for me, actually. This is, this is God's, I mean, you say it's in the name, the title, Masterpiece, right? It's Master is in the title. So that helpful perspective of this is God's. So if the door is closed, then that's up to him. If the door is, if things flourish, whatever. Has that been clear for you all along, and or did, did that take some some learning, and also just how you've managed to remain, from what it appears to be, love your enemies truly, love your enemies and wish good for them, and not be vindictive or petty or not petty. I mean, nobody likes to be treated unfairly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, as you're asking that, a number of different situations come to my mind, and I'll bring up a couple of them. Um, one of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, before the king threw them in the fiery furnace, he said, "Our God." they said, our God is able to deliver us, but if not, we still will serve him. And same thing with, with Masterpiece Cake Shop in these cases. Um, we're talking about the third case now that John was talking about that we just had the trial. Um, God can deliver us, he can use ADF, but if he doesn't, he's still God, and he's still worthy of all of, all of our trust. And who want to serve him because he's just been so good to us before all this. Um, just growing up, as you see about you know my marriage and all those things, um, God is good and he's provided everything, including 
the love that we have for our enemies. It comes from the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. They're fruits of the Spirit, not things we do for the Spirit, but things that He does through us. And we're just so grateful that He's been more than abundantly generous to us. Well, I, I, again, as we wrap up, Jack Phillips, our guest, uh, the owner-operator of Masterpiece Cake Shop, and what's the, uh, it's in Colorado, a little. I'm sorry, I, I don't have the town. Yeah. Little. We're in uh, Lakewood, which is a suburb on the west side of Denver. If you've been in Denver, the mountains are yeah. on the west. We're right up against the foothills there, and uh, okay. um, yeah, it's a great place to grow up and live. And I've spent my whole life here. The cost of my faith is the book. How a decision in my cake shop took me to the Supreme Court. And uh, Jonathan Scruggs with Alliance Defending Freedom, which has played an integral role in all the, the legal matters that have happened over the last number of years. And uh, as just at, uh, in conclusion, the um, um, I just wanted to commend you. Uh, as I read through the book, I felt the work, I think, that you probably had to undergo. And what I love about the book is also it's transferable. You're making it clear, certainly the legal side of things and wanting to and being willing to go to the Supreme Court. You even talk about that being like, what's the worst they can do? Say no. Well, actually, yeah. there's a whole part about that, right? Um, yeah. The worst they could do is say yes and you lose. That's worse than them saying no and not taking your case. And, right. Wow, that would, about me in my case. That would have set a precedent negatively for people. You're like, wait a minute. I think you just saved no pressure in the book. Like, yeah. Right. But anyhow, I'll let people read that. There's, there's plenty to read. But what I wanted to say is I could feel you probably had to learn a lot of things you had no interest in necessarily learning. And you've had to have the wisdom of navigating and not being just simple. Go take care of it. You know, but you had that same time you want to be simple hearted and like God is in charge. It is his cake shop. It is my his family. My wife and children are his, you know, all of that. And as you work with Jonathan and others at ADF, that comes through. And I think that's transferable to others to be able to to be encouraged the rest of us to work through life can be very messy very hard didn't ask for this right this is not you couldn't have envisioned this or any of it but god was no. faithful right and you're and he's proven himself faithful again and again and again and another verse that comes to my mind and i'll just uh throw it out there is um uh second chronicles sixteen nine says the eyes of the lord range to and fro throughout the world for whom he can show his to show himself strong to the man whose heart is fully committed to him. And he's done that for us and through us continually. Yeah. Well, Jack, I appreciate your time and Jonathan as well. And if I can ask a, a bonus question on the, on the, just on the concept of excellence that each, each of you can speak to just for a moment, Jack, it's clear in, in your book about wanting to do your craft really well as unto him. And Jonathan from um, the part uh, legally, as I read just the amazing fact that the, the, that the Supreme Court took the case and how much pressure there must be to be super organized, super concise, super ready to go whatever direction the justices are firing questions off. Just take a moment, if you can, to either of you or both of you, just to encourage the audience with regard to being everyday people and yet God, God using you and the work that needs to go into excelling at something and why you would want to do something to stand before kings, as Scripture talks about. That was for Jonathan, right? Well, both of you, either or. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, because you both. Yeah. It's clear that both they both of you believe that. Yeah. Well, ADF, I know, was fully prepared. Every interview that I did, some that you know, we mentioned going on the View during the um, in the book, the Cost of My Faith, but ADF 
was right there to prepare us for every event that was coming up to inform us what what could happen, you know, what to expect, and what they were doing on the site. And to be in a room with with one of these lawyers is really pretty cool. But then to put two or three of them together and watch them interact and work through problems and issues, I know God has just chosen the best team to help us in this in this situation that could be found. Yeah, I would just, you know, add that you never know, you know, in every person's life there are some what I call, you know, Supreme Court moments, but there are a thousand, a million moments leading up to that uh, that are not as publicly uh, viewable, right? But it's those moments of faithfulness that matter, and that could be in your audience, you know, their their jobs, their their families, their relationships with their friends. Um, God calls us to be faithful in all those things, and he, and he doesn't always let us know how we'll use it. Uh, but he does, and that's uh, that's reassurance for us at ADF that we can be faithful in those small moments and everyday moments. Then that'll lead uh, moment by moment to to successes and in, in the big moments because God's in control of everything. Amen. Now, First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, "Stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in Him is never in vain." And I think of that verse because it, it it is to what you just said there, Jonathan, about being faithful with what's right in front of you. I know Jack talks about that in the book a lot and leave the results to him. And uh, I just want to commend you both and, and thank you for taking time today. I, just, uh, I encourage people to read the book. They're going to be blessed not just by the story and how it unfolded, but all the peripheral stories that are tied into it in God's hand and in through, uh, Jack, your life and, and the work that you do. So thank you both for taking time today. Thank you, Mr. Thank you so much. Absolutely. God bless you both. Have a wonderful day. You as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. All right. Jack Phillips, The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court, owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado, and Jonathan Scruggs with Alliance Defending Freedom. You can find out more about the work they do, too, at adflegal.org. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.